August 2021 edition of City Connection. City Connection is the live television program with Grand Rapids Mayor Rosalind Bliss. It's offering the community the opportunity to hear about efforts from City Hall and beyond. With Community Media Center, I'm your host, Linda Galash, and today we also welcome to the program Stephanie Adams, Executive Director with Friends of Grand Rapids Parks. We'll hear a bit about uh, tree planting efforts, educational programming, and other events put on by the organization, as well as about the upcoming annual fundraiser, the Green Gala. And also later in the show on City Connection, we'll provide time for you with our guests. You can ask your questions of our guests or Mayor Bliss, and that's in the second half of the program. You can take part in that conversation by uh, sending your questions to the email address cityconnection at grcmc.org through Twitter. It's at GRTV Access or by commenting on the GRTV Facebook page. City Connection is a collaboration between Community Media Center and the City of Grand Rapids and is broadcasting live today, August 2nd, 2021, here on Community Access Television Channel 24, as well as live streaming at therepidian.org and on GRTV's Facebook page. We'll be broadcasting and rebroadcasting throughout the month on channel 25, GRTV. And now in studio with me, Grand Rapids Mayor Rosalind Bliss. Mayor, welcome back. Yeah, thank you. Good to be back. It's quite a summer and you were away last month. Lots going on in the yeah. world. And, and tell us a little bit about, um, well, let's just kind of catch up on some things at the city. We had yeah. a, a great conversation last month with Commissioner John O'Connor yeah. and learned quite a bit about uh, First Ward things over yes. here on the west side. Yes, and I appreciate him sitting in for me. Yeah. yeah. So one of the things we actually brought up briefly last month, but I think there's something new to update on, is with the high, um, what we've had is some violence, gun violence in oh, the yeah. summer. It always does spike, but even a little worse than usual. The Urban League is going to be part of the Cure Violence Initiative, and it's yeah. being led by Grand Rapids Urban League. Yeah, so that, uh, I think we've been talking about uh, implementing an evidence-based violence prevention program for years now, and it's nice to have it move forward with execution and implementation. So what we decided to do at the city, um, it's actually being managed through our Office of um, Oversight and Accountability, uh, Mr. Davis. We're contracting with the National Organization of Cure Violence, and then our local partner is going to be Urban League. So at our last city commission, actually two commission meetings, ago we finalized our agreement with the Urban League and so they'll be the local partner um, doing a lot of the hiring and identifying the individuals who will serve as violence interrupters and work in partnership with the city and with the National Organization of Cure Violence. So I'm excited to see that move forward uh, and to hopefully start to see an impact that that program has on our community. And is the city still looking at some creative ideas on, on some of the ways to address this in our community beyond the cure violence? We, we are. So um, the, the department, the chief, continues to do a lot of work in community, uh, both with the Boys and Girls Club and the on-base program. So there's a whole host of efforts that our police officers and the department are doing in partnership with community, building relationships with the hopes of uh, preventing violence. And then we still have our safe task force that may change over the next, I'd say, six to nine months. We just had a report come out about all of the different public safety uh, committees and task force and talked about how do we align those efforts. But as of right now, our safe task force is also um, hosting another pitch night. So they'll 
welcome individuals and organizations from the community to come forward and pitch ideas on what they think needs to happen to prevent violence. And so that will happen in the City Commission. We allocated uh, just at our last meeting uh, $52,000 to go towards that effort. So again, we know there's not there's not one thing that we can do to prevent violence and to create a safer community. It really takes a multi-pronged approach, uh, and so that's what you're seeing right now. Okay. Well, give us a little bit of the scope of what's um, actually been happening in our community over the last yeah. couple months and a little bit of the, the trajectory of it and then some maybe some efforts that are already in place and what you're seeing. Yeah, so a lot has been happening this year. Um, you know, the, the, as I said, the chief has worked really closely with community and, and specifically around public safety um, to build those relationships. Just launched a couple weeks ago, the uh, clergy working in partnership with our police department, again, to build relationships. That's really key to a lot of the work that the department is doing. Um, when it comes to stats, we just had, at our last public safety meeting, we had an update on the numbers from last year. So uh, it's a little bit of a lag time because the data is collected through the Uniform Crime Report. So you have uh, all of the data that's submitted to the federal government and then the finalization of the report. So that uh, annual report from our police department was submitted to the Public Safety Committee just a couple weeks ago. Uh, and we know that last year we had a spike in violence, all, all types of violence, especially gun violence and homicides. So this year our numbers, uh, Fortunately, they're not as high as what we saw last year. I, I'm always cautious about saying that because we still have, you know, five months of the year left. Uh, but I think a lot of the efforts that we put in place this past year have really helped with building those relationships. And then uh, there are a lot of factors that, you know, were just out of our control that we also believe impacted some of the violence that we saw last year from the pandemic and, um, you know, a lot of anxiety in community and, you know, schools being closed down and youth programs being closed down and camps being closed down and jobs, you know, people were out of job, um, furloughed or, or laid off of their jobs. So hopefully as we come out of this pandemic, that too will help with uh, providing resources to people to help prevent some of the violence that we saw last year. Okay. Well, there's a little bit of a, a growing anxiety actually right now, and we're talking a little bit about um, coming out of pandemic, and we've been able to actually have a little bit of relief recently, but yeah. there are some uh, new and not great directions as far as where cases stand, and I wonder if you could tell us where we are here locally, if there's any um, new thoughts of, of uh, whether meetings will be in person for the city commission, yeah. for example, what else you could tell us? So as of right now, you know, we're, we're watching the numbers really closely. When you look at the data in our county compared to other counties, we're not seeing the same uh, increase in positivity rate. We are going up a little bit, but we still haven't uh, passed that threshold of concern yet. Um, we're still, get, you know, people are still getting vaccinated. That's still the number one thing that we can do to prevent the variant and prevent an increase in positivity rate. And I know lots of people are talking about breakthrough cases, but those are still minimal. Uh, and if you've had the vaccine, uh, you're less likely to have severe symptoms. So we're still strongly working with our health department to encourage people to get vaccinated. But if you look at our Kent County numbers with positivity and then what's, what's, what we really wanna look at is hospitalizations and deaths. We haven't seen a significant spike yet. Um, we're hoping that we don't because our vaccination rate is well above, at least for the first shot, still above where it, as of yesterday, we're at 63.9% in Kent County. So a little bit over the statewide uh, percentage rate for vaccinations. Um, I think as more 
universities and uh, places of employment mandate vaccines to come back to work or to go to school, we'll start to see those numbers bump up. We really want to get to that 70%. That's the number we're, we're shooting for. We know that that's key for herd immunity. Uh, so again, we're just watching the numbers, encouraging people to get vaccinated. Uh, and then as, you know, as we see what happens in, in the community, particularly in our community, um, we'll have to make decisions on what we want to do. But as of right now, you know, there's no state of emergency at the state level. Um, in or going back to meetings, right. uh, there has to be a state of emergency in place in order to meet virtually. Uh, because under state law, through the Open Meetings Act, we have to meet in person. Uh, so we were able to meet virtually because the governor had supported legislation to allow us to meet mm -hmm. virtually. And then we had extended a local state of emergency that has since passed. Uh, and so we're just in conversations with the county, I think like everyone, you know, whether you're an organization, uh, you know, or a company or a school, you're looking at the data and you're trying to make decisions to, you know, do what's best for the individuals that you work with, but also the community based on the information you have at that moment. Uh, but I'm very hopeful that as vaccines go up, the number of people getting vaccinated, we'll start to see that positivity rate go down again. Any new initiatives as far as uh, encouraging folks or leading folks to become vaccinated? It's really kind of uh, leveled off, not quite completely, but that's the, the yeah. biggest struggle at this point. Yeah, we have seen a plateau. Um, it's actually, we, we saw the numbers plateau uh, probably five or six weeks ago. Uh, you know, there's not good data to show that the lottery that mm -hmm. was put in place is helping. Um, you know, I, I think what I keep hearing and uh, what we know from data and from uh, focus groups is that, you know, the, the individual that is most likely to convince somebody to get a vaccine is their personal doctor, someone that uh, an individual trusts. And it has to be based on um, medical science and, and healthcare. So it, it's not helpful when politicians go out there and say you should get vaccinated. Uh, I've done that, uh, but what we know is what's more powerful is when you have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with your doctor and your specific concerns or fears can be addressed. Okay. Yeah. Well, it is still summer and that means lots of events and activities and I've mm -hmm. not heard of anything being canceled yet. So I thought maybe we talk a little bit about what we still have to look forward to with summer, a third of it, at least still here. Yeah. Um, there's the September uh, Mayor's Grand River cleanup and it's designed a little bit differently this yeah. year. It covers several uh, cities. Tell yeah. us about that in this year's version. Yeah, so um, it's, we, you know, I think we learned a lot from last year. So last year, the Mayor's River cleanup, which typically happens on one day in September where you have well over a thousand people come together to clean up the Grand River. Uh, last year uh, during COVID, we spread that out over a week and we divided up the teams over the course of seven days and we uh, went to different sections of the river, as you said, through multiple cities. So this is a joint effort uh, of myself and a number of other mayors and then the WEMIAC, the West Michigan Environmental Action Council. So they're coordinating it and the feedback from last year was so positive, they decided to do something similar this year and spread it out. I believe we were able to cover a lot more ground uh, than just doing it in one day in a four hour period. Uh, and we were able to, if we didn't get to you know, the, the entire patch of the river on this day, we were able to send another group out on another day. Uh, so it ended up working out really well. And so we're doing something similar again this year. Although I'll be out um, on that Saturday, the 11th, uh, I'll be out. And then I plan to stop by a few groups throughout the week. Uh, and I know several of the other mayors um, do as well. 
But one other thing about events. Um, so one thing we do know about COVID, and this has been true throughout the entire pandemic, we know that being outside is still safer and that the risk of transmission is, is less when you're outside. So we continue to encourage people, you know, get outside, enjoy the weather. Um, we know you're at a higher risk when you're indoors for transmission. Uh, and so hopefully we'll continue to have these opportunities for experiences outside where we can still come together. Um, and especially if you're vaccinated, we know that the risk, if you're vaccinated and you're at, a, at an outside event, um, the risk for transmission is really quite low. Okay, and a lot of times uh, in the past, I'm not sure how it worked last year, there's sort of a little bit of a celebration part of the event mm -hmm. too, and now being spread out over a week. Any element to that this time? Yeah, I, I haven't heard if, they, if we're gonna do anything like that. So um, last year, uh, there were a couple kind of, um, smaller social gatherings afterwards, uh, but I, I haven't heard if we're gonna spread that out over the seven days as well. I know quite a few folks met up at Canal Park by City Built uh, and got together after they spent a few hours cleaning up the river. Okay. Yeah. What other events this summer to look forward to? You know, there are so many events. So uh, there's a lot of music, which is great. I think people miss that. Uh, so Studio Park has music in, out on Listening Lawn. City Built um, twice a week is having, having music outside uh, Long Canal Park. Um, you can go to the DDA and see all of the different concerts. Uh, I know, Stephanie, when we talk about Friends of Grand Rapids Parks, we'll talk about uh, Blues on the Grand coming back downtown. We're really excited about that. The nonprofit partner this year for Blues on the Grand is Friends of Grand Rapids Parks, uh, which is exciting. So I know I'll be there volunteering uh, at the beer tent in September to help raise money for uh, Friends of Grand Rapids Parks. So there's lots of opportunity uh, for people to get out and enjoy you know, the, the Graham has music mm -hmm. uh, out in front of the art museum. Even though Rose Park Circle isn't quite done yet, uh, you can still get out and enjoy music. Wonderful. Well, Rose Park Circle, tell us about yeah. that and that project because it is uh, midway right now. It is, it is. So that, so um, those of us who've spent any time at Rose Park Circle over the last couple of years, you can tell that it uh, needed a little love. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the concrete had been crumbling, the bathrooms were uh, a little worn, the stage, mm -hmm. the lighting hadn't been upgraded, the electrical conduits hadn't been upgraded, some of the trees needed to be replaced. So about two and a half years ago, a group came together to help raise money and actually create a, a, a conservancy to make sure that that beautiful piece of art that's in the heart of our city called the Ecliptic, uh, designed mm -hmm. and created by Maya Lin, uh, would be taken care of well into the future. And during that process, we identified a list of upgrades that needed to happen and, and just really re re fixing it up. I mean, a lot of it is just revitalizing the beautiful piece that was there when it was first built. Um, so it came out to about $2.8 million and it was a mix of private funds as well as some public funds to upgrade that space. We're hoping that it'll be opened back up by Labor Day and before Art Prize, um, but it'll be, it should be stunning. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a significant uh, investment into what I think is one of the m most beautiful public spaces in the heart of our city. Uh, good note to take a break. Yeah. We're going to uh, take a break right now and we'll come back with uh, Mayor Bliss. We'll be speaking with Stephanie Adams of Friends of Grand Rapids Park back after this.
88.1 FM WYCE, a proud member of the Grand Rapids Community Media Center, has been serving the Grand Rapids community and beyond for over 30 years, offering a world of music through commercial-free, independent radio. Head on over to WYCE.org today, where you can stream our broadcast 24-7, check out exclusive artist interviews, or make a donation. From everyone at 88.1 FM WYCE, thank you for your support. Welcome back. Uh, today I'm really excited to have Stephanie Adams with us. She is the CEO and President of Friends of Grand Rapids Parks, a nonprofit organization that was started, what, was it 10 years ago? Uh, 12. 12, 12 years, years ago. ago. I yeah. should know that. Um, <laughs> I should know that because I was one of the um, initial founding members of Friends of Grand Rapids Parks back when I was a city commissioner uh, and then was very supportive was a liaison on the board, but now I serve on the board um, as of January. Yeah. Uh, so I love this organization. It's one of my favorite organizations in our city. And we do a lot of work in partnership at the city with Friends of Grand Rapids Parks. Uh, so I want to introduce Stephanie, uh, give her a chance to talk about herself and then talk about Friends and then talk about all of the exciting efforts that you're making right now across our city. So for those um, who don't know you, yeah. uh, why don't you share a little bit about yourself and kind of what brought you uh, to this place as the uh, leader of Friends of Grand Rapids Parks. Well, thanks for having me on. I have been at Friends for four and a half years now. And when I originally saw this role, it was perfect for me. I've been in the nonprofit world for over 15 years and really just want to make that transition into something that was so near and dear to my heart. Grew up in the city of Grand Rapids and Elger Heights. Garfield Park is the space where I learned to swim in the pool that's no longer there, but uh, water feature will be going in there very shortly with a mm -hmm. splash pad. So very excited about that. And that really impacted my entire life. And when I worked at the Croc Center early on, I realized how much a park and outdoor space or community space really makes as uh, an impact on a neighborhood. And so it was a natural fit and I can't imagine doing anything else. Uh -uh. Well, I'm glad you're there. Appreciate all your leadership. Um, so for folks who are not familiar with Friends of Grand Rapids Parks, uh, can you talk a little bit about the organization itself, mission, yeah. values, and what you hope to accomplish? So our goal really is about empowering people to cultivate these vibrant green spaces in the community. Um, every park in our system is completely different. It's very unique to the neighborhood that is right there next to the space. Um, not only that, we have also had this great opportunity to look at the tree canopy in the community you know, with Emerald Ash Borer coming um, and just devastating our community um, so many years ago. We've been really working hard to work towards that 40% tree canopy goal set um, with the city, with your leadership and, and working towards um, you know, changing the heat island impact that a lot of our neighborhoods have, you know, taking away some of that asphalt and putting in these green infrastructure spaces that really impact an entire community, not only now, but well into the future. And so, you know, especially with COVID and everything that happened, it was a great time to have a lot of parks in the community. There's over 76 in Grand Rapids, which sounds like a lot, but we still have a lot of kids that aren't right within a five minute walk of an uh, outdoor space. And you and I both have a passion to change that and make sure that that is the legacy that we hopefully can leave for our city, for our future, for our kids. Um, kiddos that need those spaces. So our focus really is on making sure that we add more infrastructure, more parks, more green spaces, um, because once those spaces are gone, they're gone. We don't mm -hmm. get those back. Um, and so it's really important, you know, especially as we saw with COVID, you know, we see numbers creeping up here and there, and, and really they're one of the, the safest spaces that we have, and I think that we realize that. Um, and I think even for us before that, we really knew that there was such inequity in green spaces across the city. And, and it's just from, you know, once you create a community, it's hard to kind of revert back to uh, 
um, more green spaces. So that's something we really kind of focus on. Our values are all about justice, equity, diversity, inclusion in those spaces. And um, so a lot of the work that we do is really focused on our neighborhoods um, that have the most need, have the most need for tree canopy and have the most need for park infrastructure. Yeah. So you, uh, you are a leader in um, advocating for trees, green space, playgrounds, access for children and families. Uh, and then in addition to that, Friends has a number of programs. So for individuals who aren't familiar with some of the programs that you lead, you want to talk a little bit about those, whether it's the forestry program or the exactly. um, connecting children to nature. So why don't you share a little bit? So to kind of think about the full spectrum of how you know people can get involved in our community, it, there's we really want to get people involved in becoming maybe a volunteer, maybe taking that first step. But sometimes it starts with just joining us in a park and feeling safe and feeling comfortable to take ownership of that space that's right across the street. So movies in the park is something that we launched a couple years ago and brought back this summer. So we have a lot of those free programming um, opportunities. We also partner with different neighborhood associations or neighborhood groups that have a park in their neighborhood, but they're not really sure what to do next. How do they invite neighbors to come out and be a part of it? So it could be something as um, simple as we help organize an Easter egg hunt to just taking a walk in your neighborhood park. Um, so those are just some of our park activation and we feel like park activation is that first step. And then from there hopefully we invite people to come volunteer with us, clean up a park, become a park steward, or if you are really interested in tree plantings, we anybody can plant a tree. We have tools for little ones as small as three, you know, all the way up to people who 80 plus. And so that's uh, another piece of what we do is have people go through our neighborhood forestry program and, and become a caretaker of trees right within your neighborhood. Be an advocate, plant trees on private property. It really takes everyone to impact the green infrastructure of our community. And the reason why it's so important, obviously, is the emotional, physical, and health benefits, um, but also money-saving benefits, mm -hmm. too, for um, home, you know, we saw a spike in electricity going up this year, and, and having a tree-lined street makes a huge impact on an entire neighborhood for that. Um, and then the final programming that we really focus on is how do we fundraise for special projects? Um, we're so grateful to have a city millage that supports parks, um, but there's so much more that needs to go into it. We put a lot of wear and tear on those beautiful downtown parks as well as other large kind of more regional parks that we have. And some of that infrastructure piece just takes a little bit more. Um, so we really focus on who can come together, who has a passion for it, and how do we kind of take our parks to the next level? Yeah, and um, people will sometimes ask me this, they'll, they'll say, well, we have a parks millage, and I say the best park systems and the, the really, truly, the cities that have the, the best parks uh, and access to parks and green space and playgrounds are the ones that have a diverse funding stream. So yes, the millage is great. So our millage, a portion of it is dedicated to opening our swimming pools, um, capital investments, and some operations and recreation programs. Then we have general fund dollars, uh, but that only goes so far. And, and if you're gonna add and enhance and really grow your, your parks, you really need those private sector partners and you need nonprofit organizations and you need a voice, you need an advocate in the community saying this is really important. Uh, the city can't do it alone, we really shouldn't do it alone. These parks belong to the community and the neighbors and we want them to 
feel ownership uh, and to give back to their parks. That's exactly right. When you think about some of the best and most beautiful park systems across the country, they have strong advocates, strong friends groups that help come alongside and support. So we lift up with the volunteer groups. We have over a thousand hours or over a thousand volunteers a year that give over thousands and thousands of hours back to our community. And also, um, we really want uh, neighbors to really know that there's opportunities for them to sit on committees or be a part of change or really have an opportunity to change how these spaces feel welcoming to the community, how to make sure that everyone has a voice in the decisions that are being made and that there is place for advocacy. Yeah, so we only have a couple minutes left of this section, um, but a, a few big things you're taking on in the years ahead. Uh, so we, we know that there are parts of our city, especially over on the southeast side, uh, that need green space. Uh, that are deplete green space, and we know we need to add parks. And then we also know that we have some beautiful buildings and lodges in some of our parks that have not been reinvested in that really need an infusion of uh, funds to revitalize those spaces. So you want to talk a little bit about what some of your hopes and goals are? Yeah, so um, most recently we really kind of looked at like what do we want friends to accomplish over the next five years and as an organization with our board support and many of our donors we really want to add five new parks over the next five years. Um, it's a lofty goal but I think it's it's feasible and doable and we know it's so, so needed. And then in addition to that, um, I'm a huge fan of community buildings that are in park spaces and MLK Lodge is a beautiful space that has um, unfortunately not been used to its full capacity and I think there's a great opportunity for our community to come together. Um, so we'll be kind of putting together the challenge of helping to fundraise with help from the city and other um, funding support but that'll be a big piece of what we do. And then from there, I'd like to see the Roosevelt Lodge building redone as well. It's a beautiful gem um, that is you know, kind of hidden in a, a park space that could be really utilized by the neighbors. And future goals is I hope to also see an event space downtown that would also be in a park that could be used for weddings and graduations and picnics and so many other opportunities. Um, just we don't have something like that in the city yet. And I think that would be uh, my final feather in my cap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, we have a lot of, I think, um, important initiatives to take on over the next five years for sure. So, thank you for that. It uh, looks like we're out of time for this sec segment, so we're going to take a little break and then we'll come back together for some questions. The Community Media Center Board of Directors believes in building community through media, through radio, video, citizen journalism, and theater. We provide media tools, training, and transmission in a safe space where every voice is empowered and has the right to be heard. Join us and exercise your First Amendment right to free speech as we make Grand Rapids a, a better community, community through media. media. Welcome back to City Connection and the conversation with Mayor Bliss and Stephanie Adams of Friends of Grand Rapids Parks continues. We have a few questions, but also wanted to bring up some events that you didn't get a chance to mention. So let's yeah. talk about what's coming up. Do you want to talk about it? Green Gala and then sure. Blues on the Grand. Yeah, so our annual Green Gala event is coming up uh, actually next week, Thursday already. We plan it. It takes you know almost nine months, so by the time it gets here, it's like, oh my gosh, it's right here. Um, this event, we always move to a new park every year, but because of COVID, we're doing it our second time at an Ab One Park. Great space uh, for social distancing and making sure people are as comfortable as possible. 
and uh, this year we're going to feature a hot air balloon and uh, some amazing food uh, as we do. It's our 10-year anniversary of having this event, and it's a really great time. And really, this year is just all about celebrating what we can do in parks and, and showing kind of just some magic that can happen. So we have a great lineup of local musicians and wonderful local food and local beers, and um, we're very excited. So a lot of this is made in partnership by sponsors like Acrisure and others. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, it's fun. I, I'm a little biased because I was on the planning committee early on. <laughs> well, when I first came to Friends, it was the first thing people said. It's like, oh, we love your gala. It's not really kind of a gala. It's more of a, like a fun event and people get together. We still yak at people a little bit, but it is yeah. a good time. Yeah. So. so next Thursday and tickets online? Tickets are available online at friendsofgrparks.org. Yep. Mm -hmm. Tickets are available through actually this Friday so we can get our food order in. So. Yeah. And not only do we do events like that, you know, this is a great event that we do, but um, other people will um, bring us in for really unique different events. And one of them this year is also um, Blues on the Grand. Many people might remember as Blues on the Mall. And we're doing three events with them this year. And all of the beer and wine sales are going to help support Parks and Trees and Grand Rapids through our organization. So if you want to see uh, Mayor sling some drinks and purchase <laughs> a beer from her and help support Parks, um, join us um, over the next two. Uh, thir there's a, an event in August and one in September. So, yeah, yeah. Blues on the Grand, but we're on the Grand. Anabawan Park. Yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. favorite spot. For yes, sure. it is. It is a very hot spot in the city. Yeah. Great place for yeah. uh, having events. Yeah, especially now with uh, Rose Park Circle not being available, right. it seems like most of the events that typically would be at Rose Parks have Plus shifted over to Anabawan. Perfect, and those are free events, and the sales from those concessions then benefit. Exactly, yep, free event. The music was amazing. Um, we did one a couple in July, and the next one is the 19th, and then September 9th. Sounds wonderful. Mary, you had a couple other questions you didn't get to get to, or things you wanted to bring up? Yeah, well, I, I think it's, so uh, maybe you can talk a little bit about how people can um, get involved and volunteer, and even if people are interested in becoming a citizen forester or yeah. uh, we didn't really touch on that but I know a lot of people in the city love trees um, as Stephanie said uh, one of our goals in the city is get to a 40% tree canopy for a whole host of reasons uh, not just environmental uh, but it's even good for people's health and clean air and uh, and there's a lot of people who have partnered with us to do that and help plant trees um, two things maybe you can touch on one we're working really hard to plant trees in public spaces but we can't reach that 40 percent tree canopy unless we also have trees in private spaces um, and then if you want to get involved not just help planting trees but kind of be a leader in this space uh, friends takes the lead on training people yeah so we've been uh, having we've had this basically citizen science class um, for a long time and we we've named that neighborhood foresters we really want it to be something that anybody can be a part of and it really is just kind of this commitment to saying you know I really support trees in my community I really care about maybe the trees on my block and it starts with someone just coming out and volunteering with us we have four classes you can take at your own pace and just be a part of that and you know the mayor's green initiative is another big program that we do every single year we plant 300 trees with over 400 volunteers at one time now with covid restrictions we've really kind of spread that out over a couple days just to make sure we can keep people safe as possible but that's coming up this fall and that's really a great entry point for people to get involved um, we've seen so many people kind of go from just you know, not, not even being comfortable using a shovel uh, or knowing that much about trees, but becoming a fierce advocate. And that includes some of our youngest um, in our community. 
uh, we have a program in the summer where after we plant all the trees, we hire kids from the neighborhood to help go back and water the trees right within their neighborhood. So we have 10 kids, uh, they're youth, I should say, young adults, <laughs> right, um, that go back in and they're watering these trees. And we actually track their learning and education and their passion for the outdoors through this program. And it, it just really, really made a huge difference. Um, so there's, we still there's call them the green team. We do call them the green team. Yep, <laughs> yep, our youth green team. And um, they're all kids right from that neighborhood. Um, and they ride their bikes all summer long and get involved. And then we do things like we'll take them on a hiking trip, um, a kayak trip, um, just to continue to give them experiences in the um, environmental spaces that we have throughout the city. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of kids, when you, or you, and even adults, when you ask them what their favorite park is, it's usually the park within their own backyard. A lot of people haven't gone around, and I, I'll even say I haven't been to all 76 parks in our city. I need to do that, but um, you know, it's a lot to get to. Yeah, it is. And then uh, you touched on this a little bit with kayaking, and we've talked about it before mm -hmm. on this show. So you know, we're in our what. 12th year of working on the river restoration project uh, and and part of that is um, not just the restoring the rapids to their natural state but really thinking about the river corridor as a whole including the trail connectivity along the river as well as green space along the river and um, through that process uh, Friends of Green Rapids Parks has been a part of um, conversations and planning processes looking at you know what is the future programming and maintenance and sustainability of those spaces uh, and, and I think kayaking is a great example of how to get people more comfortable with the river, especially people who've never been in a boat before, and you've done some of that as well. Yeah, so we partnered with DGRI um, to bring this new program um, this summer to the river, and basically we're working to focus on um, our BIPOC community and making sure that people have access and feel comfortable um, in a boat, in the river, in the water. And so we have really focused on our very good partnerships that we have and invited um, people to invite then others. And we take them, uh, take groups out every Wednesday um, and sat every other Wednesday and Saturdays out on the river on a small group, um, about 12 people. We go on the river and, and have this amazing kind of communal experience. Um, a gentleman who just came and did this event with us said he was able to experience something in a way that he didn't think that any other activity or sport really offered, um, and which I want to share because I think it's really impactful because it impacted his emotional health, he said, by going out and just having this kind of one-on-one -on -one opportunity to kind of take the boat off a little bit on his own. Then he was able to have this um, really interesting networking opportunity where he was chatting with others on the way back, um, and, and you do that you know, in, in this kayak space. And then finally, he worked on exercise. Um, so he really was able to kind of touch on three different things. And we were kind of just chatting how that doesn't really happen in a lot of other activities that you can take place. Um, and so we really have been working with the attendees of this group who are all either um, our, some of our black or brown community members and saying, how do we continue to create open, welcoming spaces and what other activities can we make sure that are being um, you know, opened up and really kind of creating thoughtful groups around so that we can have open, honest conversation of making sure that all of these spaces in Grand Rapids are welcoming. So there's still opportunity for somebody to get involved in that. Yes, we are doing these programs all the way through September. Um, and if anybody is interested, um, you know, and we are we are giving the most opportunity for people of color um, to take those trips with us. Um, and it's actually led by um, someone on our team who happens to be an uh, African American female as well. And your website, is that the best way to kind of get more information on um, that? It is, or just a direct email to stephanie at friendsofgrparks.org. Okay. 
All right. Well, I just want to ask you a little bit more about um, just some of the other events, and I don't know if this is under your purview, but Richmond Park, I saw uh, the, there's going to be a dog, a free dog swim day or dog <laughs> day there. Is, is that true? Yes. yes. The <laughs> city of Grand Rapids, um, through the Parks and Rec Department, does it every single year right yeah. before the pools close. It's kind of that fun dog days of summer, last day yep. before the pool closes, and all the pups get to jump in uh, to Richmond Park. Yeah. It is fun. You have to sign up because it's limited and how many people can attend, obviously, because of capacity and then yeah. how many dogs are allowed. So if you're interested, you have to sign up. And I think almost every year it sells out. Like oh, yeah. it, it, it fills up. So. And I think they have two dog sizes, too. So like a small dog day or a small dog <laughs> time frame and a large yeah. dog, you know, yeah. just like the dog parks. <laughs> Perfect. Just like kids, too. You got to keep them in exactly. groups. Exactly. Yeah. That's true. Keep them in groups. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, wanted, I just had a question that occurred to me. How many parks are along the Grand? When we were talking a little bit about the kayaking opportunity, oh. and I was curious about that aspect, and maybe not all of them totally uh, meaning that you can access the water from there. I'm thinking about Canal Park. There is mm -hmm. a little bit of a ramp there, but how, how many yeah. parks? So there's actually five parks um, along the city, um, along, within the city bounds mm -hmm. along the parks, but not all of them have you know, access to you, to the river. You can probably finagle your way in and out of it. <laughs> but yeah, and yep. Riverside Park being the largest um, that has the most amount of green space right along the park space. But then there's Canal, 6th Street, um, Annabowan. Annabowan. Yeah. Butterworth, technically. Yeah, 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 yes, yeah, yes, yeah. kind of a. Um, hopefully, though, uh, going back to adding green space, we're hoping that with the redevelopment of 201 Market, right. that there will be two green spaces added, um, both on the property uh, on Fulton as well as 201 Market. Mm -hmm. um, not just a green ribbon and trail along the river, but actually a, a linear green space. Uh, with access to the river. Okay, so. and then the aspect of wanting to increase that tree canopy, and I was just wondering the impact of 300 trees in a, in a condensed period of time, how much does that move the needle when it comes to adding tree canopy here in Grand Rapids? Well, I wish it was a lot more than it is. <laughs> it sounds like a lot of trees. It, it, is, it, it is, is a lot, lot of, trees. of trees. It is a lot of trees. Um, <laughs> as you can imagine, the reason we plant so many is, you know, there's we probably have a 15% attrition rate where yeah. they don't uh, they don't all they don't all viably make it. But um, the amount of trees that we're competing against from a canopy size are, aren't the same size exactly. So, you know, if we were to compare it out in 20 years, it would definitely make a bigger difference. So that's why we have to do it you know, every year. and um, But really the, what we've been focusing on is even more private tree planting opportunities. So giving away trees to neighbors, we'll be doing that again. We'll have over 50 trees this fall that neighbors can get to plant on their own property. And um, the, those are the bigger pieces that make even more of an impact because neighbors have, you know, as many opportunities as possible when we're, we're kind of limited to a four by four yeah. <laughs> plot. I think the important thing to, to think about with our tree canopy in our city is that we have an overall tree canopy, which is an average of the entire city, which we're at, what, 35%-ish? Yeah. Uh, but then if you drill down to certain neighborhoods, we have some neighborhoods where the tree canopy is like 45%, 48%, and then you have parts of the city, like downtown, which is a largely built-out concrete mm -hmm. environment, which is less than 10%. So you have different goals for different sections of the city. So for downtown, our hope is to get to 10% tree canopy downtown. So you've seen us do some of that even, not just on in the public right away, which actually Friends has been helping with, but even with like the redevelopment in front of Van Andal. So you have this huge concrete, you know, blah. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. not a technical term, but I mean, it was just a sea of concrete. 
and we added um, trees and, and greenery in that space. So we're trying to identify, same with Studio Park, right? That used to be an asphalt parking lot, and now you have green space there. Um, so we're, we're really trying, and then you have some parts of the city, like in the southeast side, where it's closer to like 18%, mm -hmm. 19%, and in those neighborhoods, we really want to get closer to 40%. Um, and that's where you often have this um, combination of poor air quality and poor outcomes, health outcomes, um, and you have kind of these heat islands. Mm -hmm. So we have different goals for different parts, and the Mayor's Greening Initiative that we've done in partnership with friends has really been focused on those parts of the city and those neighborhoods where it's well below that 40%. Okay. Yeah. Great information. And then uh, your event coming up, uh, the Green Gala next Thursday, but ticket sales cut off Friday? Yes. Yep. All right. We uh, have to put in a food order, so All we right. might be able to sneak some things in there, but right now that's where we're kind of focusing right. on. Well, feel free yeah. to give an address, a web address, or even a phone number and email for ticketing. Yeah, so friendsofgrparks.org is the, right. the website to go to. All right. And you can always just search for us on Facebook, too. The links are all over the place. Perfect. Well, Stephanie Adams with Friends of Grand Rapids Parks, thanks for joining us today on City Connection. Thanks for having me. Thanks. We'll be, have a little break right now. We'll be back for the last 15 minutes with the mayor. Welcome back to City Connection, and again, great conversation with uh, Stephanie Adams of Friends of Grand Rapids Parks. And as a matter of fact, we have a few questions that actually linger from that conversation. And uh, one of them from Todd is, how do I find a park in my neighborhood? And Mayor, yeah. you can help with these questions. I can. So um, on our city website, if you go to our, our parks department, you can, uh, there's actually a couple different searches you can do. So you can do an amenity search, which is this great addition that we added, I believe, about a year ago. So if you're interested in pickleball or frisbee golf or... Um, you know, where you, can, where you can drop in a kayak. So you can put an amenity search and it'll tell you what park in the city has that amenity. If you wanna rent a pavilion for okay. a birthday party or uh, you know, a tennis courts or a basketball court, you can put all that in and find out what park. And then we also have maps uh, where you can look at your neighborhood park. Okay. Uh, yes, and, and that includes even, so we have a, a number of parks um, in the city that um, are under our, they're in our, our parks plan. Um, so like let's say Coit Park, mm -hmm. um, the city maintains that, but it's actually a, a GRPS owned park. So we partner with the school, so it also can pull up green spaces that are technically school spaces, but kind of fall under our jurisdiction as a Grand Rapids Park. Okay, yeah. um, another question on that very subject resulting from your conversation with Stephanie, yeah. and this one is from Mary, and she's asking, what kind of trees should I be planting in my yard? So the big thing about trees um, that we encourage folks to do is one, plant a native tree. Um, they do better in our climate. Uh, some of the trees that we have in our city aren't native, and those are the ones that typically don't last as long. And then the other motto that we have is you want the right tree in the right place. Um, so if you are uh, planting a tree under, let's say, uh, utility lime, you want to make sure that that tree that you plant mm -hmm. isn't a tree that's going to grow 100 feet tall, right? You want a, you want a tree that's closer to a 25, 30 foot tree. Um, in height. So you want to look at the height of the tree and then you also want to look at uh, how close to plant to other trees. So sometimes people will plant trees and they plant them too close, not really thinking about what that tree is going to look like in 10 years. So making sure that you have spacing appropriate for that tree and the amount of space that they're going to need 
uh, for their for their as they you know take root and their roots sprawl out. The only other thing I would add, um, like at my house, uh, many uh, houses in the city. It depends on if you have a condo or you know what your home is like, uh, but you have a lateral line. So if you, you want to be really careful not to plant your tree right over top of your lateral uh, because then those roots can grow into your lateral and they can cause a backup in your lateral. Uh, so that's something that sometimes people don't think about on their private property. Okay, and where would you find that information? What native trees are, I guess, as uh, general uh, web searches could help with that. Yeah, but actually, so the Friends of Grand Rapids Parks, they have a whole yeah. page on forestry, and then we have a forestry department at the city, and we have an urban forest committee. Uh, so that's a committee that really looks at uh, goals, priorities around our urban canopy. Um, we have an urban forest plan at the city, and we actually have a list of trees that we recommend planting. Uh, and then if you have questions about a tree in front of your yard or uh, if you feel like a tree is diseased, you can always call the city and our city forester will come out and take a look. Okay. Yeah. You, know, you mentioned some of those um, opportunities as far as uh, the foresters. Uh, yeah. Uh, kind of expertise team and then the green team from uh, the youth perspective uh, Paul asked the question how would I get my daughter involved in that green team? Oh, that's a great question so um, your daughter so the green team is supported through the Grow 1000 program so the Grow 1000 program is a program that we started at the city to identify a thousand uh, jobs for young people throughout the city and uh, and so our uh, our community's children uh, which is a department at the city they help with the recruitment of young people uh, and then the placement of those individuals and so the green team is a part of our grow 1000 so if you have a young person between the ages of 16 and 24 and they're looking for a summer job or they want to be on the green team just go to the city website look at the grow 1000 Obviously, uh, that program is, is coming to an end this month because school goes back mm -hmm. um, in the fall. But we do that every year, and we start taking applications, I believe, at the end of April. Okay. Yeah. Lots of interest in this topic, and I imagine it has a, yeah. a little bit to do with the idea of being outside is better these days. It and, is. And uh, just kind of growing that interest in the ownership aspect yeah. that uh, you and Stephanie both mentioned yeah. that. Uh, really taking ownership of a, a neighborhood park or, or the, the well-being of yeah that sort of thing. Yeah, and you know, it's, uh, you know, there, there are so many things I, I love about green space, but a number of years ago, uh, when I first became mayor, we started this initiative with the school about connecting children to nature. So even beyond an urban canopy and, and beyond the goals we have around adding green space and making sure every child has access um, to a playground within safe walking distance from where they live, the reality is, is that we know being outside with nature is good for your emotional and mental health. We know that, that children are in front of a screen for more hours than they ever have been. Even think back to when we were growing up, we were outside all the time. What we know now is that kids are in front of a screen more than they are outside, so we wanna get them back outside. But we also know that how people connect and build relationships is usually through play. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's usually when they're out doing something together. And so there's a, a lot of health benefits, but a lot of emotional benefits to being outside. And I think we saw that with the pandemic. You know, People started to gravitate to being outside, not just because it was safer, but it really is good for your mental health. And that was obviously, um, gosh, so much of the conversation today on that, so that's yeah. really evidenced. I'm gonna do a real quick shifting of gears because we have about uh, two and a half, three okay. minutes left, but uh, there's a subject that we've kind of 
input on our conversations, but not in depth before, and it's participatory budgeting. Oh, and I yes. wanted to have you explain that a little bit to yeah. us and what the city is doing on that element. Yeah, thank you for, for giving some time to talk about that. So um, the city commission, after we passed our budget, our annual budget, um, we had a pot of money set aside from the recovery plan dollars. So these are federal, federal dollars that we got um, at the city to support a number of initiatives and uh, coming out of the pandemic. So the city commission decided a couple things. One, we would put some of those funds towards violence prevention, some of those funds towards affordable housing. So we're likely gonna take $5 million and put it into an affordable housing fund. And then we allocated $2 million to go into investments in every ward through a participatory budgeting process. So we divided up the $2 million. A million is gonna to go towards the third ward. Uh, 600,000 towards the first ward and 400,000 to the second ward. And that was largely based on demographics, but also um, poverty rates uh, and, um, and need. And then each ward uh, identified three individuals um, from that ward to serve on a steering committee. So there's a nine person steering committee. And then we are um, contracting with the national organization that leads participatory budgeting processes to come up with a process that for each of those wards, um, residents will be able to identify pi priority projects and then there will be a process to vote on those ideas and the ones that get the most votes um, will get funded with those dollars. Uh, so it truly is you know, putting the money into the neighborhood and letting residents and people who live in those neighborhoods decide how those dollars are spent. There's a couple kind of non-negotiables. Um, these are one-time funds, so it mm -hmm. has to be ideas that can be funded one time, so it can't be you know, a program that would go on into perpetuity or mm -hmm. need additional sustainable funding. So we're talking about big impact, one-time funding ideas. Uh, and then we want, the we want the dollars spent within the next six months. Uh, so we, we put together the steering committee a couple weeks ago. They're going through training right now with a participatory budgeting organization. Uh, and then we hope to have it launched really sometime in the next 30 days with ideas generated and then votes and then final decision on how those $2, $2 million will be spent by the end of this year. Okay. So it's an exciting process. We've never done it before. Uh, I think we, you know, we have other processes that are somewhat like participatory budgeting, whether it's pitch night or the neighborhood match fund, but they, they, they don't actually follow all of the tenets of a participatory budgeting process. So it's the first time I think we're gonna learn a lot. My hope is, is that uh, you know, we're able to have a huge impact in our neighborhoods and in our wards, and then potentially allocate funding to do a similar process next year, and maybe even the year after. Okay, and it's on that theme again of really the ownership of a community with yeah. what's going on. Yeah. All right. So it's exciting. Mayor Bliss, thanks again. It's yeah. great to have you back. And uh, with uh, City Connection being the first Monday of the month, September will be a little bit of a shift in the date because that is a holiday. Oh, yeah. So we'll be back with you in September, but we'll uh, clarify the date later on. Mayor Bliss, again, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to City Connection here on GRTV Livewire Channel 24 and watch for rebroadcasts throughout the month on Channel 25. I'm Linda Galash with Community Media Center.